Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister. I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling fantacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. You coming to bed, hon? Yep. Honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow. Ow. Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You have tuned in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. Connect with us for powerful, life-changing teaching and guest interviews that will inspire you with hope and equip you with the knowledge and skills needed to fulfill your destiny in the kingdom of God. Now, here is Glenn Blakeney. Hey everybody, Glenn Blakeney here of Kingdom Encounter. I'm so glad that you have tuned into the broadcast. Hey, it's going to be a powerful time tonight. My guest is Casey Watson. She's going to be sharing her incredible story of how God brought her out of a lifestyle of destruction and addiction, how Jesus changed her, the miracles, the testimonies in terms of what the Lord did to free her to rescue her guys it's going to amaze you you're going to be astounded i want to encourage you if you know anyone who is struggling with addiction you will want them to watch this video trust me to even if they're not able to be part of the live broadcast you can share this video so that people can watch it later on so why don't you just go ahead and do that just hit the share button let us know where you are watching from as well. We'd love to do that. We want your interaction during the uh, the interview tonight as well, guys. Really helps with the algorithm in terms of getting the word out so more people end up hearing this story. We're going to also be um, putting this testimony, this podcast called Kingdom Encounter um, on various platforms. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. So you guys can also subscribe. Just look me up. My name is Glenn Blakeney, and I'm really uh, excited to, to be part of this really incredible time of testifying of the goodness of God. So yeah, just follow me on social media, Glenn Blakeney. And you can also visit our website, which is awakenations.org. And I want to tell you about a couple exciting um, things that we're, we're doing right now, opportunities really for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And if you're looking for a family, a spiritual family, if you're looking to connect with other believers, that is so important today. It's been a really difficult season for many who have been, um, you know, because of social distancing and quarantining and isolation. And I know in some parts of the world, that's not really been too bad, but there are still so many places in the world where people are still under restrictions and and uh, lockdowns and so on. And so I want to ask you guys to just visit my website. 
to learn about the kingdom community. The kingdom community is a spiritual family. We get together online. We pray. We offer free training and equipping. We do a lot of different things. We minister to one another. And we just build relationships. We network for advancing the gospel to the nations of the world. People from literally all over the world are part of the kingdom community. So just head over to awakenations.org forward slash community, awakenations.org forward slash community. And while you're there, you can learn about the kingdom community. And in addition to that, we have um, a monthly training mentoring that we do. And we're currently teaching on two different topics. One is the gospel of the kingdom. And the other one is understanding apostolic centers, shifting from the conventional church model to moving into equipping the saints, equipping believers to really fulfill their destiny and their calling, to live out the Great Commission, to become more like Jesus while they're on the earth, to set the captives free, to really step into that place of really manifesting and demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God on the earth. If you are interested in this training, it's free of charge. We don't charge anything for this. Just head over to awakenations.org, equip, and you can learn more about the training right there. So you just sign up. The next session is coming up on uh, August 18th, and we do this live on Zoom. There's interaction. There's discussion. If you're not able to make it, you can still sign up, and we'll send you the video replays. Um, for those of you who would like a certificate of completion, however, we ask you to be part of each class and also there are some assignments that you can uh, complete and we will give you a certificate uh, once you finish that. So it, it started last month in July and then we end up going to December of 2021. And then the course is finished, we take a break. And then back in, in the latter part of January, we jump on again and we continue. So guys, um, we again are so blessed to have you part of this broadcast tonight. My name is Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. Love to connect with you guys and uh, just check out our website as I've already mentioned. Well, tonight we have an amazing testimony. Um, we have a young lady by the name of Casey Watson and I uh, had the privilege just probably a couple months ago of just being inundated literally with people saying, hey, um, you should hear this person's testimony. You, you should hear what God has done in, in this one's life. And so, you know, I just kind of threw something out on social media, said, if you know somebody who has a powerful testimony, particularly they're in their 20s and their 30s, um, God's using them. I just would love to hear their story. And Casey was one of those who was brought to my attention. So I talked to Casey, heard her testimony what God has done in her life. And guys, absolutely powerful. I know this is going to be a word of encouragement, what she shares with you tonight. I want to, again, just say, please go ahead and hit the share button. Let's get the word out. Let's get people watching and this testimony from Casey. And uh, without any delay, I'm going to bring Casey on and Casey, thank you so much for being with us tonight and being willing to share your story because I know it's not an easy story to share. Um, so thank you so much for being with us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Great. Um, yeah. So Casey, your story, let's, what I normally do is I just ask people, let's talk about, you know, life bef when you were a child growing up, where were you raised in a Christian home? You know, interesting last week, my guest was raised in an amazing home and he ended up just plummeting into mm -hmm. terrible addiction, a lifestyle of addiction. So it really, it's amazing. Some people they're raised in Christian homes. They're raised in, you know, really good homes. Um, some people come from really diff difficult um, lifestyles, you know, being their background. But, so let's hear about you. What was life like for you growing up? Yeah. So um, I was not raised in a Christian household. Um, my parents divorced when I was two. Um, they tried to do a little bit of a back and forth with me and my older brother. But um, ultimately, that didn't work out. Uh, my mother had, you know, her own struggles with addiction, um, things like that. So she just wasn't capable of sticking around, taking care of us, um, things like that. And um, so my dad became a single parent at a very young age. And he was a Marine Corps veteran, um, had his own mental struggles, had his own um, spout with addiction as far as alcohol is concerned. Okay. Um, my grandmother definitely made sure, you know, doctor's appointments, signed up for school, um, drove to our house every single day and took us to school. We didn't live with her, um, but she was very actively involved in making sure that everything was taken care of after raising, you know, her own children, um, which was just absolutely, you know, huge blessing to us. I think that's why, you know, I was able to graduate high school. Uh, my brother was able to graduate high school he was an amazing athlete um and i absolutely believe that that has to do with her um but at home you know we were very lonely so growing up you know my dad dated he um, married a couple of times um he's married to an amazing woman right now um also he's free of alcohol addiction at this point praise awesome. god praise god and um so but growing up you know he he had his own struggles and we were young and we didn't understand um what was going on and we were left to our own devices a lot from a very young age i remember being eight years old and thinking nothing of you know leaving in the morning and not coming back until it was nighttime and it wasn't you know i never said me it wasn't odd that was not abnormal to us at all and you wow. know that's how um, you know, I made friends with people <laughs> and I'm um, just looking for family, looking for connection. And some of that was amazing. You know, there were people in the city that we grew up in that made sure, you know, we ate dinner because they just knew, you know, these kids have been out all day. So something must be going on here. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you are left to your own devices and you are searching for family, searching for acceptance, searching for validity and things like that. Um, it opens you up to the enemy to bring in, you know, harmful things. And that's how, you know, first, you know, you smoke a cigarette here or there and you don't think anything of it. And you, you know, I was trying to be cool and I was trying right. to, you know, be a little kid trying to fit in with teenagers and things like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what happened to you, you know, we're, I, in, in the introduction, I clearly stated to our listeners, our viewers that you hit that, went down that slippery slope into a lifestyle of destruction, mm -hmm. 
and addiction, obviously. So how did that start? So I would say the very first time I ever smoked marijuana, I loved it. I felt like it was the biggest release. Um, You know, I had a lot of pain. I had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of hurt that I didn't even realize was hurt. Um, You know, you're just angry. So, you know, I, I tried and it was an escape from reality. And then from there, it quickly, you know, added pills to it. And then before you know it, you know, you're doing hundreds of dollars of cocaine a day, which, um, you know, obviously was not sustainable. Um, I was a teenager. I didn't have, you know, the ability to fund that sort of a habit. Um, So, you know, these same people who I thought of as family who, you know, I thought were going to protect me and care for me and, you know, always be there and those sorts of things. um, We made a deal. I made runs for them and they funded my habit. And, you know, it slowly grew from there. And for years it was really just, you know, now I understand that there's a grooming process to things like this. And for years, that's mm. what it was. Um, uh, there, It was very psychologically abusive, physically, mentally, um, just very damaging, but it's almost in a way that you feel like you still owe it to them. Um, mm. And I'm sure, you know, any listener that's ever been involved in this sort of a life completely can understand that, you know, you do feel like you, you owe your life to them. Um, yeah. And at the same time, you know, they're funding something that you feel like you need to survive. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, I just, I fell very, very deep into it. It was to the point that I woke up in the morning and I think I, I would always sniff cocaine and then around probably two in the afternoon, I'd switch over to mixing um, cocaine and Percocets, which then turned into, as the night got later and later, I would start mixing cocaine and Xanax. And I was more or less cocktailing to make it so that I could fall asleep at night. Um, So I would just do uppers all day, but I would mix them with other things to, you know, sort of create the the reality that I wanted to live in the way I wanted to feel. And I was so afraid of sobriety because I was so afraid of what it would feel like that from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, I stayed in this state. And that was basically seven days a week. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It wow. never, it, there was never a break for okay. at least three straight years. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, like you said earlier, it wasn't sustainable at your age as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about how did you fund your addiction? Yeah. So the way that I funded it was the same people that I would have been buying from. Um, I would, they had other clients call them clients um, and I would make the deliveries for them so you know instead of them taking X amount and putting themselves in a situation of they get pulled over they could get arrested um, any of the things like that you know they could get shot um, putting themselves in that kind of a harm's way I put it out there and then I became the one that did that um, and in doing that you know I would 
do that for them. And then they would give me what they knew that I would use in a day for myself. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about that lifestyle. You know, you're, you're doing that and it must've been uh, dangerous at times. And tell us about that. Yeah, so there, there was definitely times that things did not go as planned. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that it's God's protection that I'm here. Um, I was a teenager getting on city buses with a lot of product going into just really bad parts of Wilmington, um, delivering them and dropping them off and doing it. You know, I started working at a Walmart um, at one point in time and bringing it into my workplace and people knew who I were, who I was and they knew what I had on me. And, um, there was only two instances where I was ever threatened. Um, nothing ever came of it. Nothing ever happened. Um, just because the, the first time I wholeheartedly had nothing on me. <laughs> so you can have my backpack. It's just a backpack. Yeah. Um, and then the the second time, um, there was actually someone watching, um, which would happen on occasion, depending on how much product you had on you. Um, yeah. But you do have all of it on you. So if somebody were to get arrested, you are 100% at fault and this other person is not. Um, and the other person just walked up as the person the, so they're attempting to rob me. And the other guy, he just walks right up and um, I think just him being there was enough that the person just walked away. And I had no idea who this was. I, it was not somebody I sold to or anything like that. I just got off of a city bus and made a sale. And that's when I was approached by the, the person. Yeah. Wow. But okay. there was a lot of times where it was, or there's a lot of uncertainty to the lifestyle. Um, it's almost, it didn't really hit me for about two years, how dangerous it really was. Sure. Um, once I started driving, you know, there were times that I was pulled over and I had stuff in the car. Yeah. Um, the first time I was arrested for it, I was, the car was searched. Um, somehow they did not find everything that was involved, but yeah. they found enough. Um, yeah. I did end up going to court. It got dropped down to a much lesser charge, which was very helpful. Um, wholeheartedly, I, I owe all of that to God because a lot of things, especially with the, the court system, the things that I could have that could be sitting on my record right now that are not. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, that first time getting pulled over that it really hit me like this is illegal. This is like not an acceptable career. Yeah. <laughs> this is serious. But when I brought that up um, to, you know, the people who. I suppose we could call them like elders, the people who I really respected that were doing this, the people who I looked up to as you would, you know, an aunt or an uncle or something like that. I brought up the fact that, you know, what happens if I go to jail? What happens if I get arrested? And they said, oh, we'll bail you out. It's okay. We'll make sure everything's always taken care of. Hmm. And all they had to do was say that. And there was so much trust I had in them at that point because I had known them for so long hmm. that I just wholeheartedly, oh, okay. That's fine. Let's yeah. keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when you're talking about this, the whole thing is obviously is you you had community, mm -hmm. you had a family, so to speak. Yeah. And then of course it ended up becoming uh, you know, something that you didn't 
want it to be. But the the thing that you just said that really just piqued my interest was like almost like you were doing this for so long that it was normal. And yep. then, yeah, like, oh, man, this really isn't an acceptable career, as you said. And so what happened? What really um, was kind of the turning point where you just said, hey, I just uh, yeah, this isn't good. I, I need to change. So um, I was 18 and I was on my way to a hotel that I went to all the time. Um, and I walked in and there was this woman there who I had sold to tons of times. And I just it was almost like the reality of the whole lifestyle hit me. And I was standing there and I was thinking, I don't want to be 40 years old. And this like is all I've ever done. Time. Yeah, it's, you know, not to, you know, I don't want to speak badly of her as a person because sure. it's not hers, but it was almost like the reality of what this lifestyle produces yeah. hit me. That if I don't stop now or something doesn't change now, one day I'm going to be 40 years old, you know, either potentially not have my children because I'm in such a lifestyle that they're taken from me yeah. or I'm in such a situation where I've never had any children. And I just sat there and I thought, you know, I want to get married one day. I want to, you know, own a house one day. I want a normal life one day. And that's just not something that's even potentially possible in this lifestyle it's so dangerous yeah for sure yeah absolutely so how did you meet jesus <laughs> so um the the way that i first heard the gospel um i had been to church a couple of times but it was always you know you're a kid you're going to children's church um not on a regular basis and you go, you have snack and they watch a movie and it's fun. <laughs> and right. It's something you did on a Sunday morning. Um, and it wasn't very long in my life. So it wasn't even long enough that I could have really gotten much out of it. Um, okay. But I was working at Walmart and there was a young man that worked there as well, who I would oftentimes sell marijuana to. So I was selling him Um marijuana. He said, can you come over my house and drop it off? And that was fine. He lived very close anyway. So I go over there and I walk in his front door and it's these two older women, um, this younger woman, this younger guy, never met any of them. And they're about to have a Bible study because in the house that he lives in on Thursday evenings, they have Bible study. Um, so I walk in and I'm, you know, talking up alienism, which I knew nothing about other than one episode of Ancient Aliens. And um, they were so, they were, I had never experienced people like this before. They were just so, they heard me out. They didn't, you know, argue with me about it. They didn't anything like that, but they just kept meeting me with, Oh, well, we believe, and then explaining it from their stance. Yes. And then what we studied that night, and I'll be honest, you know, I'd never studied anything in my entire life. Okay. And, um, you know, they sat there 
and they all pulled out their Bibles and they pulled one out for me. And I was like, this is interesting. The words are so small. Like I had never even really interacted with a Bible before. Um, And they went through first Corinthians 13 Hmm. and I was captivated by this ability to be kind and patient and not envy. And I just was so taken with it. And I was like, and I asked at one point, I said, well, how do they expect you to do this? So, you know, if you're saying that this is your standard, Uh how is this even expected from you? You know, you guys don't get angry. And they explained to me that when you meet Jesus, he changes you and he takes things from you that get in the way of you having these attributes and he gives you his Holy spirit and the Holy spirit enables you to learn how to do all of these things. And you're literally transformed from the inside out. And they explained it like you're changing your clothes. It's like going from a dress to pants. You know, it's just, it's a complete 180 that just takes place inside of you. And I was completely captivated by that. And then at one point in the conversation, um, I had asked them, I was like, well, what do you do if that's what you like? What did you do to do that? Right. And, um, you know, everyone there was like, you just tell him it's really that simple. <laughs> and I'm thinking there's no way it's that simple. There has to be more to the, you know, process right. than that. And then, you know, they asked, well, do you want to tell him that? And I was like, nope, not at all. I'm not interested. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I, I was captivated by it. Sure. So I got in my car and I did, I did want it, but I didn't know how to do, I didn't want to do that in front of these people I had just met. Okay. Um, so I, I got in my car and I was like, well, if it's as simple as telling you, all right, God. And I remember so specifically saying out loud, all right, God. So if you're real, prove yourself. And if you're real, you can have every part of me. Yeah. And um, started driving like nothing was any different and um, got into an insane car accident. Oh, no. The entire car was completely crushed in. Um, What happened was I fell asleep driving. That was the first time in at least three years that I had gone more than an hour without using any drugs. Oh. Um, so not having all those uppers in my system starting to come back down. Yeah. Um, I fell asleep driving. Yeah. And the last thing I remember is being on a ramp, but somehow I got off the ramp and turned the car, um, drove through a telephone pole, a bus sign and a tree and completely took all of them out. So I must have just, you know, hit the gas as soon as I fell asleep. But the entire car was crushed in, except for right around my body. Hmm. The passenger side, the roof was completely caved in. But on my side, it stopped right above my head. The engine of the vehicle was pushed all the way into the car. But it stopped right before it touched me. Wow. So I'm stuck in this car and then it, I see flames coming out of the front of the passenger side. And 
you know, it must have been God because I punched the window and it just falls out. Really? Because, <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't occur to you to open the door. And so I just fall out of this car and I'm walking in circles and it's right in front of someone's house. I was not two feet from someone's front porch. So if the angle had just been a little, I would have been inside of their house. Um, and at the time, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, so God's real and he hates me. He crashed my car. Right, right. Because, <laughs> you know, no context of anything. I had no idea his character. Um, so that sure. was wholeheartedly what I thought. Yeah. And, um, you know, someone comes outside, ambulance shows up. It was um, two police cars show up. The coroner shows up. The police are showing up because the person who reported the accident said the whole car is destroyed. There's, there can't be a person in there. And um, they're looking for the driver. And I say, I'm the driver. And they're, you know, trying to tell me you need to sit down. You need to go to the hospital. I didn't want to go to the hospital. I was so shaken up by the whole experience. Yeah. And there was this absolutely wonderful officer there. And he said, what happened? And I said, I don't know. I asked God if he was real and this happened. And he said, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> How about you just take a seat in my car? And I said, am I being arrested? And he said, no, I just think you might need a minute. So I sit down, I couldn't find my cell phone. Um, so he let me use his and I, okay. So I called the young man whose house I had just left. Um, just cause you know, I didn't know who else to call at the time. And he answers, he gets there insanely fast, um, shows up on the scene. I'm talking with this officer. I'm explaining to him, I don't have car insurance. Um, I'm living in this car. So everything I own is in this car. Um, and you know, when you don't have car insurance, they're not supposed to let you touch the car at all. Okay. So he ends up letting me take whatever I can take. Um, the only thing that was salvageable was things in the trunk, but that's where all my clothes were things like that. basically everything you really need was in the trunk anyway. Um, and then I go back to this, this young man's house and the woman who owns the house, her name's Lindsay. And she's standing there and it's just like, I've never been met with so much compassion in my life. She was so concerned. And that was just not something that was familiar with me at all. Um, at this point in my life, you know, I had already totaled four cars previously um, in a two year period of time. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and my family knew about it and it was never, you know, it was always just met with a, okay, well, I guess you don't have a car now and things like that. So just the level of compassion, you know, she wanted to make sure I was okay. She was trying to convince me to go to the hospital. Um, I had no desire to go to the hospital. Um, I really felt like I was okay. Um, and just the level of, you know, she offered to cook basically anything in the entire world if I would have eaten it. Um, and I, I was so afraid of this sort of interaction that I really believed in my heart that these people were trying to like drug me. Wow. I, I did not eat their food. I was, I was so scared. I didn't sleep all night. Um, and then I went into work the next day at Walmart and you know, I I'm sober at this point and I've never been this way before. 
So how long were, have you been sober for at this point? Probably close to 12 hours when okay. I went into work the next day. And you were high all the time before that. Yep. It never, I, I didn't even remember what it felt like. Okay. And this, I worked in the electronics department selling um, phone contracts. So I'm back there and I'm freaking out. I'm just, I'm so scared. I'm so paranoid. I've never felt this way before wow. um, that I can remember. And the store manager comes up like she does every other day and says, um, so how are you doing? And I just break down and I just start crying. And I couldn't even remember the last time I cried because I was so numb and I'm just crying and crying. And I'm standing in the middle of the sales floor in Walmart saying, you know, I'm addicted to drugs and I don't know what to do. And I was living in my car and then I crashed it. And I asked God if he was real and he hates me and I don't know what to do. And I freaked uh, out. No and this <laughs> absolutely amazing woman of God, who I had no idea was a Christian before that, brings me into her office and tells me the full gospel. Wow. explains to me that there is no possible way that God hates me. That is not what just happened. That is not why I crashed my car. Right. And then starts prophesying over me wow. that my car is destroyed because the second I asked God if he was real, I was giving him his in. And the enemy got scared and tried yeah. to take me out. Come on. Yeah. And I'm crying and I'm like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. Like, oh, <laughs> well, you're <this> crying. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just crying. and I'm so upset. And then she says, and what we're going to do is on the clock right now, you're going to go with one of the managers with another young lady who was in like a, um, she had a place to stay, but it wasn't a good situation. And they said, and we're going to get you guys a place. We're going to pay your first month's rent. We're going to put down the security deposit. We're going to make sure it's a place that you guys can afford. And we're going to get you approved. Wow. All Man. in, you know, the span of 20 minutes. So we, I leave with this manager and I'm, so, I'm still just so shaken up. Um, we tried different places, but I had no credit. I was 18. She had really bad credit. She was 21. Um, we couldn't get approved anywhere. It just wasn't really possible. So then they tried three different shelters, but two of the shelters, you could not have a job and work there and live there because it was a program. And then one of them, you had to pass a drug test, which I couldn't do. Yeah. So we're on our way back to Walmart. Um, this manager saying, you know, we have hotel vouchers. We'll make sure you guys have somewhere to go tonight. Um, we'll, you know, figure something out tomorrow, but we've pretty much exhausted all of our resources today. And then this woman walks up to the car who was friends with the, her name was Miss Jackie that was driving us around. Um, so a friend of Miss Jackie walks up to the car and says, Hey, what are you doing here? And she explains what she's doing. And this woman rents rooms in Wilmington, which was the city that we lived in. Um, and she says, well, I actually just secured another house and I don't have anybody living there right now. And I still have a lot of renovations to do. But if the girls don't mind, they can stay there tonight. So me and Amy, that was the other um, 
employee's name. Her name is Amy. And me and Amy go to this house and you would have thought that we won the lottery. It was just so beautiful. It was, you know, not the best condition. It had, you know, a little bit of a mold problem and things like that, but it was, you know, it was a safe place to go. And I remember that was the thing I thought when I walked in the door was this is safe. There's, there's nothing bad that can happen here. And I felt such a pure peace. And now I recognize that as the presence of God. Right. <laughs> but back then I'm just like, what is this feeling that's better than any drug I've ever had? Oh, come on. Yeah. Awesome. And um, yeah, so that, that's how I met God. (laughs) And then it was very shortly after that, that I ended up getting sober. Yeah. And was that like a long process for you in terms of getting off drugs or how, how did that happen? So right after moving in there into the house, um, I had a moment with God I was still, you know, involved in the drug ring that I was a part of. You can't just walk away from things like that. Um, So I I did go back to using that night. And then it wasn't, but a couple of days later, I can't remember exactly how many days, but it wasn't many days later. The woman, Lindsay, whose home had the Bible study, had given me a notebook. And she said, I don't know why, but I feel like you need this. And I had no idea how to talk to God. So I had been writing him letters while I waited at the bus stop to go to work or, um, you know, riding on the bus to make different deliveries and things like that. And I had written him this letter and, you know, they all started off with dear God and they were all signed love Casey. And um, (laughs) I just explained that if there's more to life than this life, if I don't have to do this, I'll do it. Yeah. But I can't withdraw. Because if I withdraw, I'm going to continue doing it because I have to go to work. I have to pay this lady for this room that I'm in and I'd like to get another car. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, wrote him this letter and then the very next day I woke up and didn't realize until noon, you know, I'm at work. I've been on the bus. I did everything I normally do and I'm at work. And I I realized I have not done any drugs all day. Hmm. And I felt amazing. I felt better than I had ever felt before. Hmm. And then I, you know, I never went back to hard drugs. Um, And then I had this, I don't even know how to explain it other than it was just such an intense motivation to tell the entire rest of the world that there is more to life than that. You don't have to stay like this. Yeah. And, you know, I'm telling clients, which is terrible for business. Right. (laughs) And that, you know, it, it ended up tempers flared. Um, There was a whole situation Um, I got a call from people who were involved in this drug ring that you don't want to get a call from. Um, I went over to this house and they basically explained that you have a job to do. Whatever this little phase of life that you're going through needs to stop because this is unacceptable. Right. Um, And in most situations, anytime met with them, you just agree with them. But I couldn't. 
I, cause I was looking at them and I'm thinking, I love you guys. You know, I've known you guys for years. You don't have to do this either. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm trying to explain it and I'm trying to, you know, help them understand. And they think I'm completely insane. And so we ended up leaving very peacefully. And they said that they would call me within like two days or something like that. But until that point, all of my routes were being put on pause um, and they were not going to give me anything for myself, but I was okay with that. And um, two days later they call me, I go back and they wanted, I can't remember the exact amount of money, but it was a certain amount of money. Yeah. And I had no way of getting that. Okay. And um, I worked at this very tiny Walmart. It was not a super Walmart. We did not have grocery. We right. were the tiniest one in our little tiny state. Okay. And um, I want to say it was the very next paycheck. We got a bonus for the exact amount of money that I needed. Uh, but it wasn't just me that got the bonus. It was everyone in the entire store. And when I got off the phone with them and they told me how much money I needed, I was like, all right, God, you took the withdrawal. You got me a place to go. You've done all these other things. So this shouldn't be a big deal for you. You should be able to just make this happen somehow. All right. <laughs> so I wasn't really worried about it because it was almost just such a raw faith. It was just such a like, well, this is how it is now. And when the money hit, you know, I, we didn't know it was coming. It just showed up. HR didn't know that we were getting it until we got it. And I went around that store telling everybody why we got that. And all of these people, I mean, I shouldn't say all of these people, but I had a number of coworkers that were also customers of mine. So I'm explaining to them that like, you guys, this is how real it is. And it was just amazing to get to, you know, share. I didn't have like a good grasp of the gospel, right. but I had enough that sure. I could at least explain where I was coming from. Amen. And you know, I'm sure my theology was all jacked up and everything yeah. else, but it was just so, I was so excited. And I explained to everybody, I told the HR ladies, I went in and told that same store manager what had happened. And all she said was, well, glory be to God. And um, she was absolutely amazing. I, I so hope I get to talk to her again one day. Yeah. But um, powerful. Yeah. So that was how I ended up getting out of the the drug ring that I was in as well. Was I was able to go in and give them their money and tell them exactly how I got it. Yeah. You know that's powerful, Casey. Because you know when we talk about the Lord and how He redeems us, mm -hmm. and we, you know. The, the story, I love the story in the Old Testament of um, of the prophet and, and Hosea and Gomer and how, mm -hmm. you know, he was called to redeem her from that lifestyle she was in. And yeah. I see such a correlation here because the word redeem means to pay a fee in order that someone can be taken out of, you know, a slave or in your case, get out of a drug ring and... Uh, the Lord, he paid that fee with his blood, the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. But in the very practical way, you needed an, an exact amount of money, which was exactly what ends up everybody in that Walmart gets paid. And I'm like you. I believe 
God totally, like they got blessed because you needed a blessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, it, it's like Paul when he was on the ship and the ship was going to, um, you know, going to wreck and everybody would have died. And the angel appears to Paul and basically says, don't worry, Paul, um, like no one will die because God wants you alive. And then Paul even tells them that, hey, the reason why you're all alive is because God's preserving my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a ministry. I have a calling. I have a testimony to share. And that's what the Lord did with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So how, how about from that point on, now you're out of the drug ring, you're, you're off drugs, you've got your own place. Um, God has just set you up. And what was it like moving forward in, in your growth and discipleship, your, your relationship with the Lord? Yeah. So immediately after that, um, I really wanted to be out of Delaware. Um, I really felt like I needed to be away from everybody who knew me. Yeah. Um, and right around that same time, my birth mother um, found me. She wasn't able to attempt to find me until I was 18. Okay. Um, so she had found me at that point in time on Facebook. Oh. Um, and we were communicating and she explained, you know, where she lived and all these different things about her life and invited me to come out there. Okay. Um, so I made the decision to go and I went out there and it ended up being a really negative situation. Oh, um, sorry. It was, it was good that I got to meet her. It was good that we got to see each other, but it just wasn't a healthy environment for me, especially in such a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Um, I got there. I immediately needed surgery on my hand because of an accident that happened while moving. Um, the anesthesia had, negative side effects. Um, they ended up putting me on an anxiety pill after the surgery to cope with being at home while recovering. And it was way too tempting not to abuse those. Okay. The feeling was too familiar and I yeah. knew I didn't want to go back to where I was. Okay. Um, so the, the woman, Lindsay, who was in the um whose home had the bible study right she has kids that live everywhere she has let tons of people live in her home and now they live all over the country so she goes on these crazy cross country trips um in her 70s and goes all over to visit people so she asked me if while she was visiting if she could pop in and see me yeah um so i told her absolutely she pops in immediately sees the situation and offers for me to come back with her and live with her while I figure things out. Okay. Um, absolutely took her up on that, moved in with her. Um, there was seven other people living there at the time. Um, it was a three bedroom house. So things were very, very tight. Um, I had the living room. There was, three young men in one bedroom. There was a mother and daughter in another. It was nuts. Um, there was so much of us, but I loved it. Yeah. It was so, it was more family than I had ever had in my life. It was so community, right. you know, it was, and there was so much accountability and I needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just coming back, I, you know, was going, it almost felt like all the feelings from being a child 
with my mom had resurfaced. Oh, okay. And I didn't know how to navigate that. And these amazing people just, they were so strong in Christ and they were so amazing at helping me, you know, not push it down, but actually heal from it. Okay. So I had been going to a church with them. Um, and then I had started reading the Bible for myself up until this point. I hadn't started reading the Bible yet. Um, I had a lot of trouble reading. I had dyslexia. Oh, okay. So it really didn't appeal to me to attempt yeah. to read. But then I started reading it and I had zero trouble. It was no words flipped and everything made sense. I knew exactly what I read at the end of it. And I'm reading through these gospels and I'm like, we need to do this. Yeah. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just go into the hospital right now <laughs> and just tell everybody to be healed? Right. They did this. Why don't we do this? And I was so excited. Yeah. And um, I was met with women are meek and uh -huh. quiet. And that was then and this is now. And I had a lot of questions because if yeah. that's the case, where does it say that? And I wasn't doing it to be difficult and I wasn't doing it to be um, disobedient and disorderly. No. I wholeheartedly did not understand and really just wanted to because I was so captivated with God that I just wanted to understand where this, how do we please him? How do we live for him? How do we do these things for him? Yeah. And after a couple of months of that, um, I was asked to not come back. Mm, okay. um, and I was devastated. I was completely devastated. Um, so you're trying to not come back to a church to that specific church. Yeah. Cause I was right. shaking things. There was a group of people similar age to me yeah. that were starting to ask similar questions yeah. because I looked at them like, well, you guys have done this for years. Right. So can you answer my questions? I'm just confused. Sure. Sure. But when you start asking certain questions and you don't have an answer, good Lord it can kind of make other people start asking the same questions. Yeah. So they're getting bombarded mm -hmm. by these young 20 year olds asking really difficult questions. Um, and I think I was kind of seen as like the ringleader of that. Okay. Um, you know, and it was the, it just wasn't the kind of place that was used to people who came from very troubled backgrounds in the first place. Yeah. So there was already a lot of um, red flags there. Mm. Um, so I, I was completely devastated. I'm sitting at this restaurant. Um, I had these crazy ideas at the time that I was like, well, maybe if I just do what John the Baptist did, God will talk to me and I'll know what to do. So I went a summer without wearing shoes. <laughs> and the beginning of this summer was when this happened. Um, so I'm standing at this restaurant. I probably look completely crazy. I have no shoes on. Um, and these people come up to me and they say, Hey, before you leave, we'd like to pray for you, but we'd like to wait till you leave. And I said, okay, that's fine. But the people I was with didn't leave for hours. So I honestly completely forgot about these people. And then I'm walking out and they come up to me and they say, Hey, God sent us here to pray for you. And a friend of mine was there as well. 
So they start praying for us and I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Okay. And it was like everything hit all at once. It was just this, my whole body was burning. Um, I started speaking in tongues. I had never even heard of tongues at this point. Yeah. So I'm like, what's happening? I thought I lost my ability to speak. And I'm like, oh, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> it was just this intent, you know, because I had no reference, no frame of anything, no boxes to put this in. Awesome. <laughs> so I was so just, what is happening here? So they tell us to come to their Bible study. Um, I think it was like Thursdays or Wednesdays or something. It was like in the middle of the week. And they give us our, they give me and my friend um, their address. So we show up the first week and there's no cars out front. So we don't go inside because we're like, these people might be nuts. Maybe that wasn't okay. We don't know anything. Um, and the woman who I was living with, I told her about the experience and it just wasn't what she was used to. Okay. Um, so she was kind of against it, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. I couldn't, stop thinking of things the way I was thinking of things. Um, and to me, when those people prayed for me and I was baptized in the Holy spirit, that was my confirmation Yeah, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. He doesn't stop doing what he did. Yeah. Um, so the next week comes around and it was this, like, we have to go there. I have to get there. We have to be there. So, we show up and we're a little bit late and there's a bunch of people there. And the person who's preaching um, is preaching on um, mental illness and deliverance and healing and all of these things. And my whole life, there's been this label of depression and this label of anxiety. And it's always been something I thought I just had to own. Right. So it was always my depression, my anxiety. I can't do this because I'm, I have anxiety. Sometimes I get like this because I'm depressed and I never realized that's not my identity. It's something that I've struggled with. It's okay. something that, you know, needed healing from. And then there was some deliverance that needed to take place, but it was absolutely not something I was stuck with. It's not who God created me to be. Yeah. And up until this point, I had never heard that before. So I'm just sitting and then, you know, at the end, he's like, does anybody have questions? And I'm like, I have so many questions. <laughs> and they stayed and answered every single one of my questions. And there wasn't any sort of like your questions are a problem. Your questions are controversial. This right. isn't acceptable. There was such a almost like an eagerness and a willingness to teach. Yeah, totally the opposite of what you had experienced before. Yes. And to this day, I have an absolutely amazing relationship with them. Awesome. Um, I, I would, you know, if I was going to claim somebody as like a spiritual father, absolutely this person. He's, yeah. you know, been amazing at equipping and then letting me fly. And then yeah. it, it's either a learning experience or it's a great experience. And great. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's always been really, really amazing. Um, the, I remember the first time I was in a situation where I had watched someone be healed yeah. and I was like, so it's like really legit and it's that easy. <laughs> and then my sister, um, struggled for years and years and years with chronic migraines. 
So the next day she comes out of her room talking about how she has a migraine. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you have to let me pray for you. Uh, and she was like, I mean, I guess so. And at this point she's just kind of like, she's on board, but she, you know, a little skeptical. Sure. Um, I'm very passionate. So she thinks I'm just being passionate. Um, and I ended up hitting her and I did not mean to, but I was standing way too close to her. <laughs> so I go to put my hand on her and I hit her and she falls backwards. And I'm thinking, oh man, that, that was terrible. It was awful. And then she gets up and she's like, but wait, my head doesn't hurt. And oh, I just yeah. start screaming. And I'm like, oh my God, God's legit. He's so legit. <laughs> she's screaming and I'm screaming. And then the next day she gets healed of um, strabismus. It's an eye condition. Okay. Yeah. Um, that what she's is born that with. exactly? So it has nothing to do with your eyes don't develop properly. So she was cross-eyed in one eye, but okay. one eye was straight. And as she would get tired, the other eye would turn in. So eventually both eyes would be in. And yeah. it would affect her vision, especially because it's slowly changing. <laughs> so, sure. you know, throughout your day, there's no way to really adapt to that. Yeah. Um, and she was born with it. She always had it. It was always a problem. And um, so she got healed from that right afterwards. Um, and then there was a period of time where um, I got into a really dangerous relationship um, that I, sh I, you know, looking back on it, you think, oh, honey, there were so many red flags. Um, um, but, you know, I was young and I think somewhere in me still had that desire for my family. I still right. wanted a family. Um, so I got involved in this relationship and it crushed all of the fire. Yeah. Um, I completely gave myself a hundred percent to it. Um, it ended up being a really, really bad situation. Um, very spiritually abusive, which I had never experienced before. I'd experienced a lot of different sorts of abuse, but never something like that. I never had someone using God's name against me. Wow. Um, and when I was involved, in that, I started smoking weed again. Oh, wow. And that was how I kind of coped with this situation that I, I didn't know how to get out of. Because mm -hmm. um, he was somebody who was also living in the house. Okay. And I didn't have anywhere else to go. And he wasn't going to go. Um, so I started smoking weed again. Okay. And then there was a night where I just realized this is not okay. Right. That what happened to this fire that I had, what happened to this amazing relationship with God that I had been doing for so long, where did he go? And then I was falling asleep one night and I just heard this. I never went anywhere. Okay. And I was like, now that's talking to me. <laughs> Because I didn't understand that you could hear the voice of God at that point. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that with the American Family Insurance Home Quote Tool, you can easily design a customized policy for your dream home right from the comfort of your couch. And fun paint fact, there are over 150 shades of white, like Hello White, Fluffy Bunny, Eggshell. They get it. Explore the AmFam Home Quote Tool at amfam.com home to learn more about your policy coverage options. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Mutual Insurance Company assigned its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Products not available in every state. Yeah. Um, 
And I called the, his name's Sandro, who had been preaching at that Bible study that night. Um, and I called him and I explained that, you know, I'm about to smoke weed. I don't want to, but I don't know what else to do. And he just kept telling me, God loves you, but yeah. you have a free will and yeah. you can do anything you want to do. But there's certain things that you have to put down to go further with God. And yeah. you've put them down before and you can put them down again. But whether you put them down tonight or you put them down another time, I'm here for you. Awesome. And I needed wow. that so bad. I yeah. needed so badly for someone to not, you know, drop me because of this. Yeah, sure. Um, and he also helped get me out of this situation. Um, the young man ended up going to a program, um, which was absolutely amazing. It was a Christian program and it was kind of for situations like this. Um, he wanted help, but didn't know how to help himself and felt like he was very dangerous to himself and others. Yeah. Um, so he goes into this program. It was absolutely amazing. And then it was like the fire hit all over again within a couple of months. There was like, you know, a healing process that needed to take place. There was more deliverance now that needed to take place. Um, but, you know, I'm just so glad that God gives us those tools because yeah. they're so necessary. Totally. And um, there was a situation where I just told God, I was like, God, I just, I just want to do whatever it is on this earth that you want us to do. Because when it says your kingdom, your will be done, and Jesus is praying that, it's almost like it hit me in a new way that his kingdom that is already established, he wants to further it here on earth. And he needs soldiers on the ground to take back land, you know, territory, whatever you want to call it, souls, people. Um, yeah. and I think it was a little, a little bit after that, that, um, I was in a dollar store and I know CPR, um, I've been certified in CPR and first aid and this woman has a seizure and is not breathing. Okay. Um, her heart stopped and I'm standing there and I'm like, what do we do? And my sister's on the ground and she goes, what are you doing? Pray for her. <laughs> same so, sister you hit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay. She's wonderful. We had a great relationship. Um, she's amazing. And um, she, we start praying for this woman and she's, she's blue. She's like this weird gray color. Um, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And, you know, people have called 911. They're not coming. Um, and we just start praying for her. And it was like this level of adrenaline that I've never experienced in my life before. But I'm just sitting there and I'm like, God, you can do this. God, yeah. save her. You can save her. And we're just, you know, commanding death to get off of her and speaking life over her. Mm. And then immediately afterwards, I her eyes opened a little bit. <laughs> and I was and I'm looking at her and I'm like, you're going to stand up. You're going to get up right now in Jesus name. 
I don't know what what's going on with you, but you're oh, going to use this for the kingdom. You're going to get up and put yourself out of this. Order. You're not leaving here in a body bag. And whoever was with her is just standing there crying. At that point, the whole aisle just cleared out. It's like everyone just like there was, you know, a crowd of people watching and they all just left. And these two ladies show up and they start singing um, the hymn version of Hallelujah. Yeah. And it was so interesting. And they're just singing. And um, the paramedics arrive. So at that point, you have to back off of her. Yeah. But as soon as the paramedics got there, there was an officer that was there the whole time. As soon as the paramedics got there, she sat up. And she looked completely terrified. And she looks over at me. And I'm like, just give your life to God. And that was the only interaction I got to have with her. But it was almost like that one like day at the dollar store, it it almost makes me feel like every single human being on the earth that doesn't know God is dying right now. Yeah. And whether we can physically see that or, you know, however that goes about. I always wonder if I had heard the gospel younger, what would I have done? Yeah. Would everything have been different? Yeah. And where I don't like to live in a world of what ifs, sure. it just makes me feel it's so powerful to share the gospel and, you know, to, to partner with the Holy Spirit every day, everywhere we go, because we are the conduits of the kingdom Amen. on this earth. That was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> no, not a tangent at all. Totally powerful, right on what the Holy Spirit wants, uh, wanted to be shared tonight. This is so powerful, Casey. Your story is very inspiring. It gives hope. You know, there's comments already. Someone has a son who's 18 years old in a bad place. You know, mm-hmm. there's people are going to listen to this, rewatch the, the interview listen to the audio version, whatever is going to be a powerful uh, resource for the kingdom of God to help people. And your story is an amazing testimony of the grace of God. And I, I was so inspired by what you shared tonight, really feel the presence of the Lord as you were speaking as well. And it is about the power of the Holy Spirit. After we come to Christ, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. And I just love the part in your testimony where God just kind of said, okay, you know what? I brought you this far in terms of your walk with me and a church you were connected with. But the Lord said you need to go in his, he, he saw you needed to go to a deeper place in him where you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how mm-hmm. he went to such extremes to make that happen, you know, extreme grace, extreme love. And, and it's really the, the thing I'm, I'm just counting, just picking up in my spirit tonight is about how Jesus is the good shepherd that searches for the lost sheep. You know, he came to seek and to save. And, and and that is obviously just replete in your testimony. Um, so now you're walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's been 10 years or so. I know mm-hmm. you're still, you're in your late 20s. 
Yeah. And uh, you you got a lot of uh, a mileage ahead of you to go still. And and I really feel your testimony needs to be disseminated broadly. I really think you need to put this in writing, Casey. This is powerful. I just I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I knew that was prophetic when I just told you that mm -hmm. because. It was like Holy Spirit was just saying to me, she needs to put this in writing. So um, and I know that it's going to really be a powerful testimony and in terms of impacting other people's lives. And if you need help with that, um, we have a great connection to help with with publishing and, and writing and so on. So we oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So let's just take a moment and in closing, I love the fact that you're you're active in terms of you're sharing your faith. And mm -hmm. I love what you said about it's a, the Holy Spirit day by day, wherever you go, mm -hmm. is these opportunities to um, represent Jesus to people and share uh, what he did for you, he, mm -hmm. he's, he can do for others. Would you just take a moment and just pray? There are obviously people that are watching that have um, personal addictions. Um, there have kids, maybe teenagers, adult kids that still are struggling with addictions. Would just pray into that and speak into that as the Lord would lead you, Casey? Would you just do that? Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as you said that, um, there's a woman named Angela or your daughter's name is Angela. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about her. Just love her because God is so working. And just even right now, he's been working on her heart to bring her closer. And she has such a hard spot to God in her heart that he is just chipping away at so slowly and so amazingly. And it looks like it's taking forever and ever and ever and ever, but she's okay. And she's going to be okay. And God is not going to let her go too far because she's already turning back to him. And I just speak to every single one of these prodigals that need to come home. And Lord God, I thank you that right now, you're putting people in their lives to soften their hearts to you and bring them closer to you. And I thank you, God, that there is not a thing in this world that is bigger than you. There is no disease. There is no addiction. None of those things can hold an ounce of power to you. And there's someone watching that has pain to the right of their um, upper back, like right next to their spine. And in Jesus' name right now, I just speak to your body and I tell it to be healed and I tell that pain to go. I tell the spine to operate the way that it needs to in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I ask for peace over all of these mommy and daddy hearts whose kids are just not in a place and in a state that they wanted them to be in and that they thought that they should be in. Mm -hmm. And I can't, you know, I have a one-year-old and I can't even imagine the, the parental heart towards 
these sorts of situations, but I just ask for your peace to flood over these parents in Jesus' name to just bring such amazing vision to who their children are in you, who you created them to be. And even God, that these parents start prophesying that over their children, just, you know, even in, in the secret place, in their bedroom, in their quiet time, just speaking truth over these children, God, and that you have just such a way with making good things out of such bad things. And there is just parents crying right now, God, that just want so badly for their babies to not be doing what they're doing. And God, just give peace to these parents. And I just speak over every single one of these people that are being prayed for, God, yeah. that they have such powerful encounters with you, that they see you for who you truly are, and that your character just shines through and that you bring them out of these places, out of these dark places of addiction and witchcraft and yeah. just all of these negative situations, Lord God. And you turn all of it around just a hundred percent complete one eighties into yeah. just more than they could ever think imaginable in Jesus yeah. name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Powerful. Listen, uh, guys, everyone who's watching this, um, I just want to let you know, number one, that uh, you can connect with Casey on social media. And I'm going to put up her info. Casey Watson on Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Casey dot greenplate. And then on Instagram, Casey Watson 117. And um, she has obviously a great testimony and would love to uh, pray with you guys as well. I'm sure. So, yeah. So feel free to connect with Casey. And then also I wanted to mention um, a few years ago, about five years ago, maybe four years ago, I put together a video called powerful prayers for prodigals. It's on my YouTube channel. And uh, last week, uh, similar emphasis in terms of someone who was in a lifestyle of addiction. My guest was Brody Hate from Canada. And I, I want to encourage you guys to watch that video. It will help give you hope and some specific um, information and, and strategies and how to pray effectively from the scriptures for your prodigals. So just go to my uh, YouTube channel or just Google powerful prayers for prodigal. My name, Glenn Blakeney, and you can find that video. If you would like to we can email that to you as well the link just go to my website awakenations.org it's awakenations.org and you can sign up for an email list there we'll make sure that we get that to you so thank you so much everybody for tuning in tonight and would you guys just go ahead and share this video yeah amazing testimony you're right we've got some powerful comments here casey you really touched lives tonight jill says amazing okay. testimony Gloria says, thank you, Casey, um, Denise, Aww. thank you for sharing and, and uh, so on. So yeah, thank you guys. Please leave your comments and uh, also hit the share button for this as well. We really appreciate that. Um, 
Felicia is, is talking about her son right there. And we continue to pray for, for your son, Felicia, as well. Thank you guys for watching uh, tonight, wherever you are in the world. I know some of you guys that are watching, you're in the other side of the world. Um, and so bless you guys in Australia. Bless you guys in Asia and the United States and other parts of the world. I see in the Honduras watching tonight as well. Um, Canada, incredible. Bless you guys. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Come back next Thursday night. We have an incredible testimony. Grant um, it, Robertson is, is my guest, and he uh, used to be a drug dealer, Casey, in Australia. And uh, he came to Christ. So we didn't set Amen. these interviews up, you know, <laughs> intentionally this way. It just, we're flowing from one yeah. to the next. So it's going to be a powerful time. Every Thursday night, guys, we do this on Facebook. It's on YouTube. So just follow me, please, uh, Glenn Blakeney, and you can get well, you can watch this. So it'll be every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. Central time. We're depending on where you are in the world, and we love for you guys to be part of what we're doing. So thanks so much. Uh, in closing, I just want to remind you guys that we actually are in a place right now where we are doing a lot of discipleship and training in our kingdom community, and we'd love for you to be part of that. All you need to do is head over to awakenations.org forward slash equip. You can sign up for the free training and equipping we're doing. You can also learn more about our kingdom community at awakenations.org forward slash community. And uh, we appreciate you guys and continue to pray for you. If you need prayer, do feel free to contact us. You can message us on Instagram, on, on Facebook, or go to the website awakenations.org. Hit, use the contact um, button there, and you can get you can send us a message that way as well. Well, my guest has been Casey Watson. Powerful testimony. I hope you guys are encouraged. Please leave your comments, and uh, that helps us to know uh, how the Lord has been ministering to you tonight. Thank you so much. Bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. To learn more about us, including how to connect to our kingdom community, please visit our website, awakenations.org. Again, that website address is awakenations.org. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can receive powerful, life-changing teaching. We appreciate that effort. And we hope you'll join us again in the next episode of Kingdom Encounter.